Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones and this is episode 109 of the Photography Side Hustle podcast. For the last few weeks, the Facebook group has been getting a lot of spam. It's the same website every time. So I listed the domain as spam so that Facebook could block it. But it only blocked about 1 in 10, so I have to take drastic action. I'm changing the group from public to private. If you're already a member of the group, nothing will happen. But new members will have to apply to join and I can vet them before allowing them in. It's a little bit more work for me, but it's better than spending all day just deleting these stupid ads. They're very annoying. It'll also stop non-members from seeing who is a member of the group and seeing any posts that are put in. It must be a really big deal because Facebook said it will take three days to change it over. So I guess they want all groups to be public. So it's not really a deterrent, but why you have to wait three days, I think it's a bit stupid. Anyway, let's get on with this week's episode, which is Common Mistakes 5. Okay, number one. It's what you leave out of a photo. Now, the difference between a good photo and a great photo is what you don't see. You've got to leave out distracting rocks, fences, trees, people, absolutely anything that distracts the viewer's attention away from the rest of the photo. They're really easy to spot. Just take a look at some of your own photos and think about what it is in the image that you're looking at. The chances are that it's something that's distracting you. So when you're taking a photo, think about this. Is there something that is distracting in the frame? If there is, recompose the photo. When you look at a great portrait, I guarantee you that there isn't a piece of fluff on the person's shoulder or a hair out of place. Great images are great because the photographer made sure there were no distractions before taking the image. Number two, don't shoot just for you. Now at some point, We've all been guilty of this. We go out, we take a bunch of photos of our children or our dog, and then we post it on social media and ask for feedback. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to improve and start a side hustle, you need to shoot for someone else. Taking photos that someone else is going to judge is a major step forward in starting a business. Your whole approach changes. You worry about everything, and that is the way you need to think as a professional. So offer to photograph a friend's children or a pet for free. Even though they won't be paying you, the pressure is there because you want them to like what you're doing. You'll be amazed by how your photography improves when there's a little judgment involved. Number three, photo envy. I hear this constantly. Wow, I could never take a photo that good. Looking at other photographers' portfolios can lead to negative thoughts about your own work. You have to remember that a portfolio is the best work that that photographer has ever produced. They don't show you the below average photos or the complete screw-ups, just the very best. If it's a strong portfolio, they've probably been shooting for many years and have made lots of mistakes to get to this point. You need to make a mistake so it becomes a lesson. If you're just starting out, you need to make as many mistakes as possible. And the faster you make them, the faster you'll learn and your photos will improve because of it. Number four, not taking full control. As far as your equipment goes, you need to shoot in manual mode. You have full control of all the settings and the camera does what you want it to do. Using auto or program mode lets the camera make all the decisions. It's hard to be creative when you aren't in control. You're just pointing the camera and pushing a button. 
To use aperture priority, you need to understand how a camera works. So why not just use manual mode? You've got to control all the same settings. So just miss out aperture priority and shoot in manual mode. Another way photographers don't take control is with customers or subjects, whoever you're shooting. When you're taking photos and you see something wrong, stop and correct it. It might be a lady's hair out of place. I'm not an expert on hair, but I would stop if it was hanging down something. I know how ladies just hate that. Or someone's not looking at the camera. Or a kid's just goofing around, which is not always a bad thing, but sometimes you want them to be behaved. Anyway, you're in control of the session, so you've got to say something. And if you do, your results will really improve. Number five, not enjoying the learning process. Someone told me they would learn how to shoot in manual mode once they had a portfolio. I had to explain to them that the portfolio would be way more impressive if they set the camera up manually. You need to embrace learning everything you can about photography and how to set up your camera. Using manual mode isn't difficult. If I can do it, anyone can do it, believe me. For the quality of your photos, you need to be your own worst critic. And I don't mean beat yourself down and develop imposter syndrome. Just look at every image and critique it. Are there any distractions? Was that the best angle to take a shot? Or is the photo sharp enough? Quality control takes place before the customer sees the photos. So criticise your own work. Look at it, check it out and uh, do something about it if it's not good enough. Number six, not sticking to the rules. Now, when you're starting out, you need to learn the rules of composition. When you've been taking photos for a few years, you can start experimenting. Some of the rules are the rule of thirds, which I mention a lot. Two lines vertical, two lines horizontal, dividing the image. And points of interest are on the lines or on the junction of the lines. There's the golden ratio, which I've, I've never really got my head around. I understand it a little bit. The artists of centuries ago used to use it and the golden ratio occurs in nature all the time. But as far as looking at a photograph, as I'm taking it and thinking about that, it, it's, it's beyond my little brain. So I just forget that one. The next one is leading lines. Now, these are lines that draw you into the image. It could be a fence or a road or a river that comes into the frame in the bottom right hand corner and goes across diagonally. And it draws you in to the actual picture. You can do it with all kinds of things. It doesn't have to be what I've just said. It could be just someone stood at the side pointing in a direction. It could be anything you like, but lines that go that go through the image and draw the viewer in. Another one is a frame within a frame. I didn't know this was a rule. It was just something that I used to do because I've seen lots of pictures with them. Now, something like a frame within a frame could be a, a photo through a window frame. Something simple. It's there's nothing special about it, but they're very appealing to the eye. Next one is separating the subject. Now, you need to separate your subject from the background when you're doing a portrait, for instance. To do that, you use a shallow depth of field and colours that are contrasty. They make the subject pop. Next one, fill the frame. Now, you need to fill the frame with your subject and avoid empty spaces. That's a biggie. Uh, when you're just starting out, you, you tend to stick your subject in the middle of the frame with lots of lots of space all around of trees and beach or whatever it is. And you should really be getting them a lot, a lot tighter in in the frame. 
Next one is center eye dominant. And I don't do this very often, but it always works when I do it. That is placing the eye you're focused on in the center of the frame. Dead center. And you just look instantly at it. It's incredible the way you can do it, but it doesn't work with everything. With some people, it works really well. In other situations, if your background's a bit noisy, it doesn't always work quite as well. Now, you don't need to try and apply all these rules to every photo that you take. In fact, you couldn't because they're all different. The trick is to remember them, learn all about them, and apply one to each photo that you take. And before long, you'll be doing it automatically. And I guarantee that your photos will improve quickly using these rules. That's just a basic guarantee, no money back or anything. Number seven, laziness. Now, this is something I see every day in myself as well. <laughs> I can't tell you how many photos I see where the photographer, if the photographer had just taken one step to the side, the photo would have been great. But they took the photo with a bad background. That one step would have changed the angle and the background would have been perfect. So before you start a session, take a walk around and look at what will be in the background. If it's not very good, don't shoot there or shoot at a different angle. Shoot upward, downward, from the right, from the left, wherever, as long as they don't have a bad background. So don't be lazy, okay? Right. Number eight, relying on presets. If you're relying on presets to make your photos interesting, you need to stop. And I want you to stop right now. I want you to go out and I want you to look for something interesting to shoot because most of these presets that people use seem to be on blur images that are of no interest to anyone. So it's the effect that they're trying to show people, not the actual subject of the photo. Now, when I was shooting weddings, I would add sepia and black and white versions to any group shot that I took. Why? Because they were boring. Like shooting group shots is terrible. Just it, it's the worst thing in the world to do at weddings. I used to hate it. It was like having your nostril hairs pulled out. The portraits of the bride and groom, on the other hand, got a full edit and they never, ever saw a preset. I would just throw everything at it and make a really nice job because the actual image itself wasn't boring when I took it. So I, I just don't like presets anymore. I've got a bad thing about them, especially with the things that you can do now in Lightroom, make it so that you really don't need to use any presets. Although Lightroom comes with an absolute pile of presets. All I ask is if you feel you have to use them, use them responsibly. Just on group shots from weddings, then I'm okay with it. Okay, that was Common Mistakes 5. Stay tuned for Common Mistakes 6 in the next few months. Next weekend, I'm going to be releasing my Photoshop for Photographers course. It's been a long time coming. The course covers how to set up and use Photoshop, how to edit RAW files, how to edit JPEG files like a RAW file, layered Photoshop PSD files and all the other types of files you're going to use, adding text to images, filters, actions, sizing photos for web use, sizing photos ready for printing, removing objects and backgrounds, focus stacking, panoramic images, noise reduction using the new Denoise AI, which is incredible. The difference with that from manual is just like chalk and cheese. It's unbelievable. They you wouldn't know it had any grain. I, I did a test shot for the video and the ISO was set at 52,000, oh sorry, 50,000 or 51,200 ISO. The image came out just these little squares all over. It was the grainiest image I've ever taken, I think. And 
Denoise AI got rid of all of it. You wouldn't even know it was grainy. It was incredible. Anyway, so noise reduction, layer masks, how to create your own logo, creating magazine covers and posters. And last but definitely not least, the new generative fill AI. It's in the Photoshop beta version at the moment, but it'll soon be released to the full version. So I did a full run through on that, which is just wild. It's just, it's sheer magic. That's what it is. Okay, I'll do more on that next week. If you need help with anything, you can find me in the Facebook group or on Messenger. Right, that's it for this episode. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.